send them privately to me. A recording of this session will be made and posted to the UTIA coronavirus website. And you can find that link on our webpage uh, at utia.tennessee.edu. So let's get started. Tim, how does the case count currently look for the university and the institute in this new year? Thanks for kicking us off, Lisa, and welcome back, everyone. Uh, both uh, back to back to work, if you will. I uh, hope everyone had a great holiday break. Uh, but welcome back to uh, our fireside chat as well. Good to be with you again. As far as our case counts go, uh, I'm afraid uh, that most of my news is not terribly positive today. But I would also say it's it's not terribly negative either. It's much as we left uh, a month ago. So let me. Uh, start out today as usual by uh, sharing just a little bit of data with you uh, to give you uh, a snapshot of, of some uh, key uh, metrics and then we'll go from there uh, get my screen oriented all right so uh, we'll start out and this is the same series we've been looking at I will say uh, from a data perspective I've done a bad thing here I've if you'll notice on the bottom of that chart, the date line uh, was on a once a week basis all the way up until uh, this week. And now we've jumped from the 11th of December to the 8th of January. So uh, it's not uh, from a, a statistical po point of view the way we might like to portray things, but it, it seems to me the easiest way to continue to show you where we're at. So uh, with that said, uh, across the university today, both UTK and UTIA, uh, we've currently got uh, 42 uh, employees that are in active positive uh, uh, case of uh, infection right now, and we have 27 students uh, that are positive cases uh, that are active uh, as of today. And if we look at uh, quarantine and isolations, uh, we've got 116 employees in quarantine and 101 students. And both of those uh, data series show very little change from the last uh, uh, couple of months. Uh, they're, they're higher than what we'd like to see, but we're not seeing at this point, let me back up again, we're not seeing huge spikes uh, overall uh, in, the, in the total numbers across the university. So what that uh, suggests to me is that, that the practices we're following are still being effective. They're still uh, helping us to keep uh, our numbers down in contrast to some of the state and national data that we'll look at uh, here in just a moment. Moving on to uh, the Institute, uh, we're currently uh, in a state of having 13 active positive cases across uh, campus, uh, in, I'm sorry, across uh, the Institute of Agriculture, uh, and that is slightly higher than what it was uh, when we left in December, uh, and when we last met in December, maybe I should say. Uh, so that's uh, something to keep close eye on, obviously. Uh, if you think about it, though, I, the, the, uh, those cases uh, at this point are largely the result of contacts that would have happened over the past couple of weeks. During most of that time, we were not, uh, uh, for the most part, present on, on campus or in our offices across the state. So uh, I'm, I'm concluding by that, that uh, most of those positive cases are the result of contacts outside of the workplace, uh, because the workplace, again, by and large, we were not... Uh, not present at for the last couple of weeks uh, up until this week. Nonetheless, we don't want any positive cases among our employees. So we need to uh, be uh, really uh, uh, cognizant of all the practices we can follow 
uh, to drive those cases down, uh, regardless of, of how the direct contacts are and how the transmission is occurring. And in terms of isolations, uh, we see a slight increase there as well, not too terribly different from the past uh, couple of months, but we've currently got 31 employees uh, in a, uh, isolation status at this point. So not, uh, again, not, not huge numbers. We're not seeing uh, the order of magnitude increases that we're gonna see just in a moment uh, at the national level, but uh, larger numbers than, than certainly what we'd like to see. And we've gotta, gotta stay diligent to, to keep those numbers down. In terms of uh, national numbers, uh, you're all seeing and hearing this as well. We, we remain at record high levels, uh, unfortunately. And it, it's really pretty clear and distinct that uh, these spikes are, are occurring following holidays. And I'm not sure, I think my cursor will be visible, but if you look back uh, at the, the first um, rather large spike we had following the outbreak, uh, that's clearly the result of, of some July 4th activity, I believe. If you go a little further into the fall, you'll see another spike uh, Following Halloween, uh, about mid-November, going a little further, we see another spike in mid-December, which uh, would appear to be uh, a result of uh, Thanksgiving activities. And that only leads me to believe that uh, as we move into January, we'll see another uh, increase or at least no major decrease anytime soon uh, due to the uh, holidays we've just celebrated. So uh, the numbers are high at the national level. Uh, and showing no sign of, of decrease at this point. Uh, let's hope that, uh, that we've got some things coming that will address that, and we'll, we'll talk about those in just a few moments. And then uh, in terms of data, let me just wrap up with this chart of uh, the state of Tennessee and the number of new positive cases per day. If you look at the, the forecast line here, it looks pretty, pretty good, but actually the, the, real, the actual data is not uh, following what the forecast was. And we're seeing, uh, again, uh, larger numbers uh, following the holidays. And I expect those, unfortunately, are going to continue uh, for uh, the next week or two at least. So um, not, not real positive news there about these positive cases either. Uh, you've seen that Tennessee is, is among the highest in the country in terms of incidents per 100,000 uh, population. So we've got to do a better job statewide uh, as well, trying to uh, control the outbreak. So that's uh, a summary of where we're at uh, in terms of uh, our data and the same sorts of data that we've uh, been looking at for the past several weeks. So with uh, these obvious spikes, um, are there any changes in uh, guidance for us as employees? Yeah, I've had a lot of questions about that, obviously. And, you know, at this point, again, we're not seeing uh, large transmission of cases in our workplaces. Uh, so at this point, uh, us and, and all the other campuses, for that matter, are really going to continue to keep our offices open, but do so using staggered or rotational staffing. We want to keep providing the services that people are counting on, but we want to do it as safely as possible. Uh, we should continue uh, to have employees working remotely, and folks uh, should probably reconfirm those plans with their supervisors just to make sure as the new year gets underway, we all know what, what one another's doing and what the expectations are 
but by and large, I, I describe us as, as really being status quo. We'll continue on as we were in December, uh, just being uh, probably uh, even doubly vigilant, though, with regard to following CDC guidance. Uh, remember to do your daily health check. Stay home if you're not feeling well. Even if you don't feel like you've got COVID symptoms, clearly we, we need to you know, do everything we can to stay, uh, stay away from others if we're not feeling well. Wash your hands frequently and, and for at least 20 seconds. Stay six feet apart and wear a mask anytime you're in the proximity of others. Uh, just follow those practices. Uh, be, be diligent about it. Uh, don't waver and we'll, we'll uh, keep one another safe and healthy as we work through this process. So I know there have been some questions about this too. What about restrictions on group gatherings? Yeah, Governor Lee, uh, you probably saw, put out a new executive order, Executive Order 70. And the real, um, I think, important point in that order was that that order limits social gatherings to 10 or less individuals. And we followed up uh, on that limitation and on that uh, restriction uh, with, uh, with the governor's office. And we were told pretty clearly that uh, social gatherings was an intentional uh, term there. Uh, it does not uh, pertain to educational classes, educational activities. As you can see in the act, if you read it, it really doesn't even uh, affect athletic events uh, to a great extent. Uh, so the, the focus here was on really family and friends getting together and keep the, keeping those gatherings small, uh, particularly in anticipation of the holiday period. So uh, because of that, uh, we're, we're not subject to that limitation in terms of educational classes, educational activities, uh, but we definitely need to be really careful regarding any kind of uh, group meetings or gatherings uh, in our classroom instruction. We need to follow all of, all of our guidance uh, as we move back into the classroom here on campus as well. Uh, and let's remember any kind of proposed or, or planned meeting or event that could have more than 50% uh, participants has to be pre-approved. And, you know, we're going to look at these really carefully in the next several weeks, at least. Uh, let's, let's be extra cautious until this surge in numbers starts to show some significant declines, especially given that right now, uh, most of these, uh, potential uh, meetings or events or activities are gonna have to be indoors due to the weather. And indoors is, is much riskier than outdoor events. So we really need to be uh, conservative and cautious with regard to these group gatherings. Uh, and we'll continue to, to look at those carefully and, and most especially those that, that involve 50 or more participants. So there's a lot of hope surrounding um, the vaccines that are being rolled out. Uh, the big question is, when will we get vaccinated? Yeah, that's a great question. It's one I'm asked all the time, and it's one I'm asking myself all the time as well. Uh, so let me uh, share a, a resource with you that I think will be helpful as, as we uh, look at managing through the next several months. And it's a, a web-based resource that the state of Tennessee has provided. And I'm going to see if I can share that uh, as well. And in uh, today's uh, email message that'll go out right after this fireside chat, it will include a link to this website. So the, the uh, state has developed a, a pretty robust uh, resource with regard to vaccines and vaccine phases. Uh, and this is uh, what that uh, webpage looks like. 
And if you scroll down uh, on the very opening page of that vaccine uh, webpage, it has a, a timeline and a chart for um, risk-based as well as age-based criteria for receiving the vaccine. And uh, it outlines uh, the risk-based phases in the individuals who are included in each of those risk-based phases. And then if you're not specified in one of these risk-based phases, you'll be vaccinated according to the age-based criteria. So at this point, uh, we've been told higher education uh, is not listed in any of these phases. Uh, if you read through these, uh, there's nowhere that says college or university faculty or staff. And so at this point, again, the, the guidance we've gotten from the governor's office and the Tennessee Higher Education Commission is that we all fall into the age-based criteria phase. So that would mean uh, you would be eligible for vaccine uh, according to this timeline and at these age ranges. Uh, so clearly, you know, we're looking at the uh, March at the earliest and probably into the second quarter of the year and then on into the third and fourth quarters of the year, at least at this point, uh, in terms of a projection for when vaccinations would be available. There, there are a number of individuals, obviously, in these risk-based uh, criteria that are already in the process of receiving vaccinations. You can get a listing of each of those. And there's detailed information about each of these categories uh, further down this uh, webpage. I won't scroll to it right now, but there's a lot more information about each of these categories down there. Uh, another uh, resource on this webpage is a map, a real-time map, that shows what phase each county is in. You can see that uh, right now we've got uh, counties that are in phase 1A1, 1A2, and 1B. And if you want to determine specifically what any one county's phase is, you can point at that county and click on it. And here's Ray County, which shows it's currently in phase 1A2 and also in the age-based phase of those that are 75 plus. And contrast that to uh, Johnson County where they're already at uh, risk-based phase 1B, but they're still at age-based phase 75 plus. So particularly for those of you uh, across the state, this is a good resource at least to see what vaccine phase uh, counties are in and give you some idea of, of how uh, progress is being made. In addition to that, uh, the health department has developed a, a resource for vaccine availability by uh, county as well. And let me see if this will work. Good, so here's, uh, here's a listing of each county uh, that's on that same website uh, or linked to that same website. Uh, a description of the vaccine av availability. And, and unfortunately, as you look through here right now, basically every county says they're either limited in vaccine availability or they have no vaccine currently available. It, it describes what phase they're currently in, which we just looked at a moment ago, and that it has the phone number to call uh, for information or to attempt to schedule uh, a vaccination. My understanding is uh, you can dial all day long on most of these uh, phone numbers and, and you are unlikely to get through, particularly in our, our larger uh, metropolitan areas. But that information is all available and they say it'll be kept up to date. And you can see 
this is up to date as of 7 p.m. Uh, yesterday evening. So uh, it is uh, being kept current. So that's the vaccine availability. Uh, and then let me show you uh, one more vaccine. Okay. Uh, another uh, good aspect of the uh, website is the vaccine eligibility uh, tool that they have online. And I'm not going to go through it, but you can click on this vaccine eligibility uh, icon and it will ask a series of questions and determine if you're currently eligible uh, for vaccination. So for those of you that say, well, I'm not in the risk-based category, and I, and, uh, but I do have underlying health conditions, this tool will help you to know if, the, if you're in a status right now uh, that's uh, eligible uh, for vaccination. So that, that's a, a helpful tool. The, the challenge, of course, is you could be eligible for a vaccination, but if your county has no vaccine, it's, it's really not terribly uh, uh, useful at this point. But I'm, we're all certainly hopeful that vaccination, a vaccine distribution uh, picks up uh, speed and uh, we, we have uh, greater availability of vaccine in the coming weeks. And then finally, uh, I'll wrap up this part of the discussion by mentioning if you go to the data uh, tab and then click on COVID-19 County Dashboard. Let me see. I thought there was a map. Maybe I picked the wrong one. Ah, I did pick the wrong one. So here's the statewide dashboard. Uh, and then you can probe deeper on each county, my apologies. So this shows uh, a map and indicates what percent of the population in each county has been vaccinated. Uh, and then it provides some demographic uh, breakdowns as well that are statewide. And again, you can go and, and probe deeper on each county uh, at uh, the other link that I just clicked on. So I, I think uh, that's certainly helpful to know what kind of progress we're making. And I think as you look here, you'll see basically we're at about one to 3% of the population in any given county uh, currently. And what we wanna see obviously is for those uh, percentage figures in every, every county to increase rapidly uh, so that we can uh, achieve a greater level of, of vaccination across the state. So again, we'll share a link to that uh, website so you can all stay current with this. You can all get, get information uh, up to date about vaccine availability, vaccine progress, eligibility by phase and so forth. And I'll just wrap up by indicating, uh, I know that there's a concerted and coordinated effort going on right now among higher education leaders uh, to request uh, that uh, the Department of Health uh, consider including higher education employees earlier under the risk-based uh, phase. Uh, in other words, somewhere in phase one or phase two, I think is what we would hope uh, because of the fact that uh, we're, we're in contact with students, we're in contact with clients, uh, and that puts us at a higher level of risk. Uh, I'll keep you posted if there's progress made on that. Uh, and as you might guess, I would imagine every, um, every possible industry across the state is doing the very same thing that higher education is doing. And that is saying we, we want to get our vaccination sooner rather than later. Uh, we'll do our very best to advocate for that. But uh, at this point, we, we don't have any further information other than to confirm to you that you will definitely be eligible on an age-based uh, basis to, uh, to be vaccinated. So 
me check my notes. And uh, oh, so let me wrap this up with maybe some good news. Uh, overall, uh, they're tracking this uh, vaccine administration uh, by state across the entire country. And as of Tuesday, Tennessee was in the top five states in terms of efficiency in getting the vaccination out. We're doing better than uh, 45 other states uh, in getting our folks vaccinated. So it, it's frustrating that we don't have more vaccinations uh, completed than we do have, but <laughs> relative to others, we're doing darn good. So uh, hang in there. I, I, I think uh, we've got a good system in place. If we can just get the vaccine uh, from the, the sources uh, producing the vaccine, I think our state's well equipped to, uh, to really ramp up uh, vaccinations to our population. Uh, it's just a matter of getting the vaccine right now seems to be the, the main uh, stumbling point. So some good news uh, with regard to vaccination delivery. Well, we do have a couple of questions um, in regards to vaccinations. One person said that UT had um, earlier stated that the vaccine would be requirement. It'd be a requirement for staff. Um, is that the case? And so would a clinic uh, be established for staff to be able to receive this? Uh, I think the, uh, the requirement is for the flu vaccine and we cannot require the COVID vaccine because it's not available. And if we required it and you couldn't get it, it would be awful hard <laughs> to, uh, to do your job. So, uh, you know, that might be a mixed, uh, mixed blessing there. On the one hand, uh, you know, it's, it's not required, uh, which means, you know, you don't have to fulfill that requirement. But on the other hand, we would love to have everyone vaccinated, obviously. So right now, the only requirement is the flu vaccine. And at this point, I don't have any expectation given the, the very uh, stringent storage requirements for the vaccine. Uh, I think it's unlikely that uh, the university will take delivery and offer clinics directly unless we contract with private uh, service providers. So again, at this point, I know that uh, private service providers are providing onsite uh, vaccinations for healthcare workers, uh, for uh, retirement uh, home and, and assisted living residents and so forth, but no plans uh, that I'm aware of at this point to have any on-site uh, opportunities for COVID vaccine um, at the Institute, across the university or at any other university campus with the exception of the Health Science Center uh, because of their involvement in, in healthcare. So one person said they do you think they saw something that when the vaccine was available, that would be a requirement, at least to report whether or not you got it? We, we asked for an emergency rule to have the option to require it, but we have not required it. So that there was uh, certainly some, some talk about requiring the vaccine, no doubt, but uh, it, it is not a requirement. Uh, we have, uh, I think, approval to, to create an emergency rule to do that, but until the vaccine's available, it would be pointless to, to require something that can't be done. Exactly. So um, one person had a question ab about the um, phases that were mentioned in the states, uh, on the state's website. And in one of the categories, I think um, this person thinks it's phase 2A, uh, it, it said, I think it's a commercial agriculture workers. Um, any idea who that refers to? 
Bear with me just a moment here and let me see if I can pull that up. And it may be one we need to follow up on, but uh, let me see. Yeah, there's really not much more guidance given uh, on the website. So my interpretation, commercial agriculture would include farmers. Uh, and I believe uh, food processing is, is covered there as well. So that would be my, my uh, understanding. And that, that brings up a good question. Well, what about then uh, those who are out helping commercial agriculture producers? Uh, you know, what are they included there? And, you know, I just don't know that we have the answers to those questions yet. Uh, so I think at some point, uh, you know, we'll each have an opportunity to ring up our own health department and say, hey, I'm, uh, I'm involved in, in commercial agriculture or I'm involved in education. When, when can I get my vaccination? Uh, you know, I'm all for folks doing everything they can to get the vaccination whenever it's available. But uh, I don't think we have any further guidance right now on, on the, the total definition of commercial agriculture, nor on, on what might requ be required in terms of proof uh, uh, to, uh, to uh, receive those vaccinations. I see Dave White's on here. Dave, do you know if any of those uh, topics have been talked about at the EOC? Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Cross and everyone. So right now, that has not been, but a little bit more on the description of that, what the phase 2A critical infrastructure covers, does cover, as you said, commercial ag, and their definition is ag workers involved in the production of food supplies and commodities. So for us, that would probably cover a lot of our workers at the RECs, the research education centers would be my guess. But as you point out, still, it's based on availability and the age is throwing in, it's not gonna happen until March, April at the earliest. Great, thanks, Dave. Good to have a lifeline. So another question um, is this, since K through 12 employees are on that list and can be vaccinated, this person uh, was going to check into getting their vaccination as a 4-H agent uh, because of meeting clubs in schools. So this person is asking if we get our vaccinations, will we be able to normalize our work activities individually? Uh, I think the answer to that is, is likely no, uh, because uh, I don't believe there's any uh, really firm proof or evidence that just because you're vaccinated means you're no longer a carrier. And so even if you've been vaccinated, while that protects you, that really, we don't know if that really protects others or not who are unvaccinated. So in the foreseeable future, I think we're still gonna be wearing masks. I think we're still gonna be uh, restricted in terms of the size of our meetings and gatherings, and we're still gonna be remaining socially distant. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, you know, I think what the, the vaccine does is give you some, uh, some reassurance that, that you yourself uh, hopefully will, will not be uh, affected with the virus, but it, it's not a, a sign that, you know, all is well and just continue with your life as we were before, because unfortunately not everyone's gonna be vaccinated. So that's where we're at on that. And we do have one more, uh, it's actually a comment, not a question. Um, a person just apparently um, must have had gone, must have, um, either been infected or been exposed and had to go through 
the process with UT and was very complimentary of the contract tracing team saying that the ease of completing the forms and the communication was very professional information, questions and answers were given in a timely manner. And they just uh, wanted to make sure everybody knew the team was doing a great job over there. Ah, great, great comments and uh, good to hear. And certainly we don't want anyone to be, you know, the, uh, a positive case, but if, if anyone is positive, we, we don't want to be the cause of making that experience any worse. So glad to hear the positive feedback there. And I appreciate those that are uh, completing those uh, uh, disclosure forms and keeping us informed because it's really hard for us to manage if we don't know uh, the situation uh, amongst our workforce. So it's really helpful to have that information. Thank you and, and your, your coworkers for keeping us informed and keep up the good work on that as well. Great. Any other, any other questions, Lisa? No other questions. So if you have some final remarks, which I knew you will. <laughs> Always have more to say, right? Well, uh, first of all, uh, next uh, planned fireside chat will be February 5th, the first working Friday in February. Uh, but if there's you know, substantial change in conditions or guidance or, or conditions, uh, we'll, we'll schedule another one before then. So you know, no news is good news when it comes to fireside chats at this point. If you don't hear any more from us, uh, carry on as, as we've described, and, uh, and we'll be back with you in, in early February at the latest. Uh, and if conditions do change, we'll schedule something. Let me just mention briefly, uh, you know, in, in the midst of all this COVID business, we've also seen this week uh, some really shocking events, obviously, in the nation's capital. And I'm not going to give a big uh, speech on this, but I want to provide a, a brief reminder to you that uh, all of us need to be careful and think about uh, any social media posts, any messages that we're putting out, uh, and make sure those messages aren't inflammatory or, or discriminatory or biased in nature. And I know we all have the right to freedom of speech. I, I don't want to interfere with that. But I also know that uh, regardless of, of whether we say this is just our personal opinion, it, it, most of the time it's gonna be widely known that you're an employee of the university. And if you're putting out inflammatory hate speech uh, that seems to really attack uh, one or more individuals or, or groups of people, uh, you know, think carefully about whether that's gonna be uh, something you'd wanna have published on the front page of the newspaper. Uh, take a look at, uh, what happened in, at University of Tennessee Chattanooga just a couple of days ago, if you want an example uh, not to follow um, and be careful out there, I guess. Uh, so again, I, I don't mean this to be a squelch of your right to, to express views or opinions, but do so in a, in a professional manner uh, and, and do so in a way that you wouldn't uh, be embarrassed if, if that post or message uh, showed up on the front page of a newspaper. Uh, which it likely would if, if uh, folks got wind of, of your employer and your role and your status as, a, as an ambassador of the University of Tennessee. So just a quick reminder there. All right, enough of that. As for COVID, uh, you know, we're definitely, I think, starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Unfortunately, it's a really, really long tunnel and the light is very faint at the moment. Uh, you know, there's, there's vaccine, vaccines coming. 
but as as we've just talked about, as we're all a bit frustrated about, they're not here in in wide numbers yet, and we're we're going to have to continue to work through this. So, do the right things. Uh, wash your hands. Stay distant. Wear your mask. All those things. Uh, hang in there. We'll get through it, and and we've demonstrated we'll get through it. We've done great since uh, since last March. So uh, you know we're not at the end of this yet. But we know how to manage. We know how to take care of ourselves and one another. We just got to stay um, committed to that. It's it's easy to get fatigued. Uh, I know we all are, but uh, hang in there. Uh, I think uh, working together, we'll continue to, to make good progress. We'll continue to advance the university and, and achieve our mission of providing real life solutions to provide research, education, and, and engagement across the state and across the world. So. I want to wish you each uh, the best in getting started for uh, a great uh, 2021. Uh, I think it'll be a great year. And uh, I do think uh, a year from now, we'll look back and say that was a dark time. But boy, uh, at least we survived and at least we prospered even during that time. So uh, take care. Hope you all have a, a nice weekend and we'll look forward to seeing you in a few weeks, if not before. Great. Great to see everyone. Have a great weekend.